your Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Welcome to the Hump Day edition of the Locked On Longhorns podcast. I am your host, Patrick Hunt. You can follow me on Twitter at Pat Sports Guy. Follow my co-host, Cammy at CammyNG. Or you can check out the show. we got a new uh, Twitter handle now, Locked On Horns. So no more of that LO underscore stuff. Locked On Horns is the best way to interact with us, ask questions, and we'll talk about them on the air each time that we have an opportunity to. Uh, but, Cammy, it is Wednesday. A uh, lot to get into today. we got we got new NCAA rules to talk about. Tom Herman on the running back situation. And uh, LJ Johnson finally released his top four last night. Uh, but first, let's get into the rule change. What do you think? Let's do it. Oh, by the way, we forgot to mention we are one day closer to kickoff uh, to begin the Texas Longhorns football season. So we're actually my favorite number days away now, 10 days away from college football. We are 10 days away, but I also want to remind you that this episode of the Lockdown Longhorns podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar. Head over to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, get $10 off your first purchase. Okay, so much like we were talking about, there are some new rule changes, Cammie. Uh, the NCAA released some rules uh, through the National Football Foundation. One of the big rule changes that I think we've talked about a lot, uh, I I think as, as I think most fans get mad about this. This is the targeting rule, right? Right. And so they didn't make any actual changes to the rule or the punishment. Uh, the new rule is that if a player is deemed disqualified from the game, they are no longer required to leave the field and head back into the locker room. You agree well, with that? Yeah, I was just going to say, I actually like that. I never really understood because, I mean, most of the time a targeting penalty, um, they're not the player's not necessarily meaning to go in um, in that way. And I think unless they're causing any type of issues on the sidelines or something like that, that might cause uh, for them to have to leave the field. But, no, I'm, I'm actually a fan of that. I think they deserve to still, still be out there with the team and um, offer assistance any way they can on the sidelines. Yeah, I, I think – you know, the, the thing that they should do is, you know, take their helmet away, obviously, um, or, or maybe require them to take their jerseys and shoulder pads off. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I've never agreed with, you know, sending them out there. Uh, you know, so that, that was one of the new changes. Another change is jersey number changes. Uh, the number zero is added as a legal jersey number, obviously, because Tariq Black is wearing the number zero this year. Right. Uh, but another rule change that they're making is no more than two players can have the same jersey number. So obviously, with like the number eleven, you have Sam Ellinger, you have Chris Adamora. Uh, so no more than two players can have that same number. In previous seasons, there was no limit, uh, but that has been limited to two this year. Yeah, well, I'm definitely a big fan of that because I don't like <laughs> multiple numbers in general. So I, at least they put a max on it now. And um, it's kind of confusing for Texas because Brendan Schooler, the new transfer wide receiver, just posted um, a picture of him on his Instagram in a Texas jersey, and it was the number 11. So I don't know what they're going to do about that or why um, that necessarily happened or what number he may be. But, um, I, yeah, I, I'm indifferent, I guess, on the number zero just because – I personally don't feel like that's a number that should be worn in college football, but um, I don't know. Maybe Tariq Black can change my mind. Yeah, but at least it's the single zero and not the double zero, which is still actually – that number double zero is still actually outlawed by the NCAA, where it's not like basketball. Because I remember growing up watching the Jazz play and Greg Ostertag, and he had the double zero, and I never understood it. Uh, But Mm -hmm. they're still not allowing that in the college game. Uh, So another – 
change that they're making is pregame warmups and officials jurisdiction. So prior to this new rule, there were 60 minutes prior to kickoff is when the officials could actually enforce any rules on the field where, you know, if there was any unsportsmanlike conduct during the pregame, it could be penalized at kickoff. Uh, uh-huh. They've actually now extended that to 90 minutes Ooh. prior to kickoff. And now any player on the field must have their jersey on with numbers visible. If the if not, the player has to leave the field. Also, they cannot be on the field without being accompanied by an assistant or head coach. Huh. So, yeah, I mean, I can't really argue against any of the rule changes, can you? Uh, no, and I think that makes sense, you know, having coaches on the field because maybe a player is less likely to get into a situation uh, with right. his coach standing right there. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, but I thought it was interesting that they did that. Uh, and then there's uh, obviously some other changes. Uh, the penalty for a team not complying with the jersey rule, uh, which is having to do with contrasting numbers or a color jersey in violation of the rule, would be a mm-hmm. 15-yard penalty after the kickoff of each half and the loss Ooh. of a timeout in each quarter that the illegal jerseys are worn. Well, I like that because I don't think there's any reason that um, any team should necessarily break that rule because obviously it's kind of a cut and dry rule. And um, I like that punishment too. I mean, 15 yards at each kickoff at the beginning of each half, I think that's solid. So um, I don't think anyone will have any troubles with that though. Uh, No, they definitely won't have any troubles with that. Okay. So we're going to get into some of the changes that they made due to COVID-19 team area and coaching box Uh, prior to this change. It was a 25-yard line to 25-yard line Mm -hmm. uh, box that the players had to be in. Now they've extended that to 10 yards on each side, so you can go to the 15-yard line. So they're encouraging them to spread out, not congregate around the area nearest the line of scrimmage, and uh, coaches are encouraged to stay in the coaching box. So they're giving them more room to kind of spread out uh, to observe, you know, social distancing as much as they can during the game. Ooh, I actually like that a lot, and it's probably something I – wouldn't have thought about just because the team has been around um, each other, obviously throughout fall camp and there hasn't been really many issues. So it's not something that would have came to the top of my head, but I think it could definitely be taken advantage of because um, imagine your game and or not, not your game, imagine your team in a close game against maybe like a powerhouse opponent, like Oklahoma or something. And um, you get to run down there when they're on the 15 yard line, in the red zone. So I think it could be kind of fun for the players in return. Yes, it could be fun for the players. Uh, also, here we go, Cammy. Pre-game toss. Previously, 14 captains were allowed to meet at midfield for pre-game coin toss, along with extra people, you know, honorary captains, whatnot. They're limiting it to just four people, period. The referee, the umpire, and one captain from each team. Well, that's smart. <clears throat> I would do that. Uh, yeah, I think it. I think it's a, a very smart and, and it's the right way to go about it, I think, personally. I don't think that they need all of those people out there, especially if we're you know, trying to do social distancing. But at the same time, it doesn't make sense when we're about to play 11-on-11. I know. Well, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, nothing really makes sense when you think about it that way. I mean, uh, we discussed how uh, COVID understands non-conference opponents versus conference opponents, and I understand the travel and uh, those factors that jump into it. But, um, yeah, it it doesn't make sense to me. For example, the NFL rule that we were talking about, how they can't swap jerseys after the game, after they had just, um, I guess, rubbed all over each other, basically tackled each other the entire game. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like like COVID understands that, uh, between in those 60 minutes, COVID's not allowed to do anything. Uh, but as soon as the game ends, that's where right. it 
Uh, some officiating rules. Uh, they're not going to allow traditional rules, uh, traditional whistles this year, I should say. They have to use a new electronic whistle that uh, is recommended to be attached at the wrist. Huh. I wonder what uh, those, I mean, do they sound any different? I, maybe I, they're louder? I, maybe, I, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't seen one of these new electronic whistles, but, you know, that's what they're going to go with. Uh, officials will wear a solid black mask. It must be worn uh, when the snap is imminent. In, imminent. Sorry, that, that word just confused me. Uh, they can only lower their mask when in space or socially distant or to get fresh air, but the mask must be pulled up if anyone approaches the official or a snap is about to occur. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine having to wear a mask out there when it's probably burning hot in some in some areas at the time. But, I mean, it's safe. You have to, you have to take those precautions if you're um, hoping to continue this football season. So I don't think that's that surprising at all. Yeah, the other... Notable thing for officials, they're going to be tested weekly in accordance to the conference guidelines. So they're going to have to be tested three times a week if the if we're talking about Big 12 officials. Oh, well, that's smart. I mean, that I is. think they should almost be on the same type of testing schedule as the players. Oh, right, and, and that's the new ruling is they will be on the same testing uh, in accordance to conference guidelines. Uh, and obviously, when we're talking about mask, a cloth medical mask can now be allowed to be attached to the face mask below the eye shield visor for players. Uh, if they're wearing the mask, they must be the same color design and bear no insignias as the rest of them. However, they can't have the team logo, so I'm pretty sure you're going to see the BLO outline on any mask at the uh, Longhorn. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not. I don't know. For a player, I can't imagine having that type of I don't know restriction of airflow. While you're trying to play a competitive sport, I'm glad I'm a little too old to be testing that out right now. It, that is that's a fact. I don't think I can do it either. Uh, Brian, but coming up next, uh, Cammy, let's talk a little bit about what Tom Herman had to say about the running back situation and a few rankings that have come out. Uh, but first, let me tell you about our friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is providing even more deliciousness, I should say. Uh, Healthy candy bars? Can I can I call them that? A healthy candy bar? Because I think I think they're fantastic. I love the cookies and cream. I've been trying out their new flavors. Cookies and cream. Currently my favorite. They have the 12 original, the six new, hundred uh, percent covered in chocolate. I love chocolate. Soft and easy to chew. And you're not having to wash it down. It's not that chalky aftertaste. It's really easy. Uh, they're definitely perfect for the health conscious person. If you're trying to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat during this pandemic when we can't get out, I mean, you're talking low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fobar, fiber, and great for the keto diet. You got to check them out. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKDOWN. They're going to give you $10 off your first purchase. You definitely got to check it out. Uh, but don't take my word for it. Give it a shot and you get $10 off. Again, BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKDOWN. Okay, one of the big things that we're kind of waiting for, uh, kind of like people were waiting on Lincoln Riley to announce who's going to be the new quarterback in the quote-unquote, I'm putting air quotes since you can't see me, quarterback <sighs> competition between Spencer Rattler and Tanner Mordecai. Uh, but the real competition that uh, you don't have to use air quotes for, 
Who's going to play running back for the University of Texas? Who's going to be the starter? There won't be. I don't think Tom Herman wants to name a starter. I don't think he needs to name a starter. I think it's going to be one of those three-headed monsters in the backfield. Um, running back by committee type of approach, you could say. But um, And Herman has mentioned himself uh, recently that uh, he doesn't necessarily care who who's out actually running out with the ones um, on the first play of the game against UTEP. So uh, he's, he's going to use them all in their own unique ways. I think they all have completely different skill sets that can be useful. Um, but I did what grabbed me by attention when Herman was speaking was that he kind of sounded like he was planning to use the hot hand approach throughout each particular game. He said, you never know who's going to be on, who's going to be off, um, who's seeing the field better at the time, things like that. So I think it's going to be, he's going to take kind of the hot hand approach, see who's doing well that game and it could change week by week. Yeah. And I think that's the right way to do it as much as I want B. John. I mean, obviously that's my guy. He's the guy that I want to see out there. Uh, probably the most talented of any, any of the running backs, without a doubt. Uh, but I think they're going to have to work him in. Obviously, Roshan has looked fantastic. So I kind of think you have to go with Roshan. Uh, Keontae Ingram has had his injury concerns, even going back to last season, missed some time against West Virginia, kind of when Roshan had his breakout game. Right. And so I, I, I think you have to look at it with, you know, ride the hot hand. Who's doing well right now? Uh, obviously, if you pay attention to the reports out of camp, it's Roshan, so he should probably get the first shot against UTEP. But I think in a game that they're expected to uh, basically run UTEP off the field, I think that's going to be your opportunity to get maybe a better look at Bijan uh, in the second half, just make him the primary guy and spell him with Gabriel Watson, the transfer. Uh, uh, you know, Yeah. I think you have to play Bijan quite a bit against UTEP. I mean, true freshman, you're expecting to use him against your toughest competition this year. You need to get him those reps. I think the same can go for Alfred Collins on the defensive line. But, um, yeah, it's hard for me because I guess everyone came in thinking Ingram was kind of the penciled-in starter. But he's obviously been dealing with that hamstring a little bit, which offered uh, more of an opportunity for Roshan and Bijan to step up throughout fall camp. So it's hard because they're all talented in their own ways. And Ingram, obviously, is the most experienced back at the three and his production kind of speaks for itself. But I do think Roshan probably has performed the best this off season. I think he had that uh, one full first off season to prepare as a running back. And he obviously took advantage of that. So I'd be shocked if it wasn't Roshan to get that first carry. But um, like I said, we'll, we'll be seeing all three of those often. Yeah, I'm sure we will. And, and we'll keep you up to date in the next 10 days as we get ready for the game against UTEP uh, to see who exactly is going to be starting, who's going to be, getting the most action. It's going to be something exciting to watch. Uh, ESPN came out with some updated rankings. They got their overall SP plus rankings, which factors in, you know, the players that they have returning production, uh, players who have opted out. You know, they put all of this into these projections and these computer simulations to figure out, you know, where they had on offense, defense. Uh, would you believe that Texas has the 14th highest SP rating Mm -hmm. uh, and these SP ratings also factor in teams that are not playing. So Ohio State was number one. Wow. They yeah, I'm not, I'm not shocked by that, though, because all the preseason polls that we've seen, Texas has pretty much always been within the 13 and 15 or so range. So, yeah, I mean, I guess that's where they're getting that information from. However, if you take out the teams who are not playing, they're actually closer to 10th on this uh, ranking. Uh, here was the one item that I thought was interesting.
they have Texas projected with a top five offense with a 40.8 rating. Oh, yeah. I think that's impressive. I, I think it's realistic for them. We know they kind of have one of the most uh, high-powered offenses in the country. I mean, look at their uh, experienced senior quarterback. And like we just mentioned, the three-headed monster at running back. So um, they have some inexperience at wide receiver. But, I mean, look at their offensive coordinator. He wants to put up 45-plus points a game. So I think he's going to be aggressive. So, yeah, I think that that fits well. If not, And they could be a little bit higher. But top five seems realistic. Yeah, and then you come in with their defense where they have them ranked ranked with a 24.3 rating, which is 46th out of 130 uh, programs. So, you know, top 50 is is okay. I mean, considering what the defense was a year ago, mm-hmm. um, you have a new – obviously you have a new defensive coordinator. You have pretty much an all-new defensive staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coleman Hutzler, who they brought over uh, from South Carolina uh, – they have Chris Ash, obviously, who came from Rutgers, but he was also at Ohio State with Tom Herman, Joseph Osai. So, you know, the he's going to deploy Osai to kind of be his quarterback hunter and a more aggressive defense. So I think that rating will, will increase as the season goes by, especially if Chris Ash gets out of the defense what he's expecting. Oh, for sure. I think it has room for improvement, that ranking, but – yeah, it's just I think probably it's coming from a new coaching staff, like you mentioned, on that side of the ball. Uh, there's a few question marks, especially around the linebacker position and inexperience and things like that and depth. But, um, yeah, I think that's probably realistic as well, top 50 for for that defense right now. But I'd be surprised if they didn't finish within the top 30. I, I would say top 25. That would be my guess. That, that's kind of where I have them. Um, let's see. Uh, ESPN also has their win projections. At 7.3, which kind of goes into our next topic, USA Today sports writer Paul Meyerberg put out his projections for the Big 12. He has Texas finishing second, actually tied for second with Oklahoma State, but they're number two, so I'm guessing he's projecting a head-to-head win on October 31st for Texas. Uh, But he has them finishing second with a record of 7-3. and Ooh, I don't think they're going to lose three games. But it's tricky because it's kind of a toss-up with Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Texas right now. I know, uh, depending on what uh, national website you're looking at, they probably have uh, a flip between Texas and Oklahoma State. And I think um, everyone's kind of just putting Oklahoma there, obviously, because they've won it the past five years in a row. But I think this is the year that Texas could knock them off. And I'm almost, it sounds weird to say this, I'm almost more scared to play Oklahoma State than I am to play Oklahoma. Well, that's... That's an interesting take. I mean, I can understand it if you if you look at if you're looking at the combination of you know Spencer Sanders, Tylen Wallace, Chuba Hubbard, who uh, is viewed as one of the top running backs in all, not just the Big Twelve but the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, I mean, I can understand that. I'm just going to run you through real quick. They got Oklahoma Sooners finishing first with an eight and two record. Texas, Oklahoma State at seven and three. Uh, then they have TCU, Iowa State, Kansas State, all finishing with identical six and four records. West Virginia seventh at five and five. Texas Tech four and six, tied with Baylor at four and six, and then Kansas at the bottom two and eight. Yeah, I think TCU is ranked a little high on that list, or finished a little high on that list. I think they have too many question marks to really know. So I'd probably put them middle to lower end of the pack for now. Yeah, especially considering that. You just lost your quarterback who was who started all last season for you as a freshman, 
And the backup is a former walk-on at Georgia who transferred to TCU. Not a whole lot. People don't know a whole lot about him. And so there's a lot of questions there. I mean, arguably, they have one of the best defenses in the Big 12. Uh, right. They got playmakers at every every level of that defense. But, yeah, I think you're right. You know, it's there's too many questions there for me to believe that they're going to be one of the top five, top six teams in the conference. It, it's really going to depend on how well that quarterback does for them. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to be it's going to be something to watch. But coming up next, let's dive into a little bit of recruiting talk and uh, announcement for the Tyler Rose Award watch list. All right, we teased it on Tuesday's episode. L.J. Johnson out of Cypress Fair, Cy Fair High School. <laughs> Cypress Fair. Yeah, I mean, it's it's no, Cypress. it's basically in Cypress. Yeah, it so is in Cypress. Cy Fair High School running back, four star L.J. Johnson finally released his top four schools. We almost Texas. nailed it. We almost oh. nailed the four, except for one. Except for one. So we had uh, we had Texas, Texas A&M at the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we've known about those. Those are the two teams that have been battling from the most. Uh, you add in LSU, and Alabama was my pick, but they're not. Alabama was not out. Was out. Oklahoma in. Yeah, I was pretty surprised. I know right when we saw that, we were all like, "Whoa, Oklahoma made the top four just because of Kamar Wheaton sweepstakes going all of, on over there and things like that." But I still, to this day, think it doesn't really necessarily matter because I think when it comes down to it, Texas and Texas A&M are his top two choices. Yeah, I think that's who who it comes down to. But obviously, he's going to listen to Oklahoma, um, and I, I think it's a smart thing. You should listen to Oklahoma, and and because obviously, what if? Kamar Wheaton chooses not to go there. Right. Uh, you know, so there's that opportunity. Obviously, Texas has a commit in Jonathan Brooks, but I think their big target is LJ Johnson. I think that's who they want. Oh, I, I completely agree. And I think it's, it's who Bijan Robinson wants. And obviously, he wouldn't be uh, recruiting so hard at LJ if it's not what the coaching staff wanted and things like that. So it's a trickle down effect. And um, I really do feel like LJ is their guy, and they'd be really disappointed if they didn't land him. Yeah, I, I think that is their guy, and I think that they're really hoping for a at least a season or two of Bijan and LJ, and you could throw Jonathan Brooks in there too, kind of that three-headed monster uh, when they get beyond the Keontae Ingram and Roshan Johnson era, um, and then it becomes Bijan and 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 LJ hopefully. Uh, in other recruiting news, we talked about it yesterday, September first. Uh, was the opening opening the floodgates of recruiting? They could finally schools could finally initiate contact with the upcoming junior class, uh, jun- the juniors in high school, I should say. Uh, Texas went ahead and targeted a linebacker in the twenty twenty two recruiting class. He's actually a USC commit, and I'm gonna butcher this name. I already know it's like, <laughs> like Nuaf Tua Halamaka. Oh I yeah, I saw that on Twitter, and I had no—I didn't even try to pronounce that. Uh, NT. That's what we're gonna call him. NT. I'm just gonna go with his initials. And according to Rivals, he's the number one linebacker in the country. Ooh. Uh, composite uh, ranking: he is a 79 overall, number nine in the state of California, uh, number five linebacker according to uh, 24/7 Composite. They have him ranked linebacker, and Rivals went with one. 
Wow. Yeah, I think that's uh, smart for Texas to jump on that early. I know he's already committed to USC, but it's uh, very early on in that recruiting cycle. So unless he has very, very strong ties to USC for some reason, uh, maybe it's family-related location, I have no idea. But um, Texas could very well still be in play there. And I think, obviously, we talk about the depth at linebacker and the inexperience at linebacker. So uh, that's one of the positions they need to target heavily in these upcoming recruiting classes. So I was impressed that they went ahead and offered him. Yeah, and so the offers that he has right now, obviously USC he's committed to, but he also has offers on the table from Florida, LSU, Nebraska, Oregon, Penn State, Tennessee, and Texas. Um, obviously, it, it, like you said, it's early on in the process, and and before yesterday opening the floodgates at midnight, uh, the these recruits had to initiate contact. So schools that were interested uh, haven't been able to contact these guys. So a guy like Quinn Ewers, who is now committed to Texas, he's probably going to start getting some offers because people couldn't contact him or they couldn't initiate contact until yesterday. So, you know, it's kind of, I think it's kind of a similar situation. Right. Uh, but the other thing we want to talk about before we get out of here, the Earl Campbell Tyler Rose award uh, released their big 12 watch list. Uh, we have one Texas Longhorn that made the list. Well, let me guess. Senior quarterback, Sam Ellinger. Senior quarterback Sam Ellinger is on there. We have also with Sam, we have Charlie Brewer, uh, Kenye Nwangu from Iowa State, Malik mm-hmm. Knowles, Kansas State, Charleston Rambo from Oklahoma. Uh, Tyler Ooh, Rambo Wall- could be up there for sure. He could be up there. Tylen Wallace, Oklahoma State. So uh-huh. he's going to be up there. Uh, Tay Barber and Max Dugan, both from TCU. Uh, Jarrett Dagey from West Virginia and a pair of players from Texas Tech, Alan Bowman and Sir Roderick Thompson. And that is your Big 12 players on the list. And obviously, if you don't know, the Tyler Rose Award is named after legendary Texas running back Earl Campbell, who is from the Tyler area. His nickname is the Tyler Rose. So you can understand why they call that award that. Um, My favorites probably off that list are Rambo, Wallace, and Ellinger, I think, in terms of of uh, probably having the most production this season. Yeah, I I would agree to that. Uh, So the interesting part of this, for people that don't know, uh, there's so much more to this award than just your play on the field. Mm -hmm. Uh, They they talk about the player who exhibits the characteristics that defined Earl Campbell. You're talking about integrity, performance, teamwork, sportsmanship, drive, community, and tenacity. Uh, so, uh, talking about adversity, adversity to, you know, injuries, pursuit of goals, you know, those are the things that they look at. And that's why I think a guy like, like Sam Ellinger, um, cause you see the work that he does off the field, trying to raise money, uh, especially during COVID, you know, the, what he does for his teammates and, you know, and he's kind of that, that guy that they rally around. Uh, so that's why I think Sam Ellinger is probably going to be a finalist, um, and they will not name the finalists to obviously later in the season. Uh, they will narrow it down to 16 semifinalists and then the five finalists before making their announcement at the end of the year. Uh, so that's going to be definitely one to watch. But that's going to do it for this edition of the Lockdown Long Horse Podcast. Make sure you tell your smart device to play the latest edition of the Lockdown NFL Draft Podcast, hosted by Trevor Sikama and Benjamin Solak. But for Cammy, Patrick, and as always, keep it locked on. Hook them.